0: It is frustrating at times when that kind of tired old narrative that no one reads the Bible anymore is out there in the media and folks just like to kind of perpetuate it um, over and over again. I sort of feel like it's just become kind of a commonplace presumption that isn't actually true. Correct. Um, And it's not that everybody reads the Bible. It's not that there are a lot of people that don't read the Bible, but it's still the most read book, the most engaged book, the most purchased book of all books you know and, and not just in human history but currently and and so any kind of narrative that casts it aside and says well it's irrelevant less used nobody pays attention is just disconnected from reality i mean we've we've mentioned the number of people that installed the app but we you know people actually use it i mean we've seen people read a total of i think current totals about 239 billion chapters of text in the bible app
1: Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, a community leader, a business owner, an activist, author, speaker, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you, the listener, that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact. My guest this week is Bobby Grunewald, and he is the founder of the YouVersion Bible app, the number one installed Bible app in the world. He also serves as pastor and innovation leader at Life Church. As one of the leading voices in the church on innovation and the use of technology, Grunewald has been featured in the New York Times, TechCrunch, CNN, and so many more. Prior to joining the Life Church team in 2001, he started and sold two technology companies, as well as served in advisory capacities for various startups and venture capital funds. Grunewald and his wife, Melissa, live in Edmond, Oklahoma with their four kids. I was so honored to have Bobby on the show. I, you know, to, to have the opportunity to sit down with the creator of an app that I use every single day, multiple times a day, including the, you know, my kids use the kids Bible app to just be able to sit down with him and hear the story behind, you know, bringing the Bible to sort of the the digital age and how what he did at the time was such a unique and innovative thing. And it was just absolutely fascinating and such a great conversation. I know that you are going to absolutely love it but before i get to my conversation with bobby i want to thank our partner of the show and that is mama suds let me tell you if you've been a listener of this show for any amount of time you know how much i love mama suds products i use in our home their multi-purpose cleaner their castile soap their toilet bombs their you know laundry soap But I just recently tried out their new non-toxic stain stick. And I have a personal testimonial to tell you how good it is. Here in North Carolina, we have that red, muddy clay. Our soil is that red clay. And if anyone has ever grown up in a state where the dirt where you live is that red clay, you know that it stains that clay stains well the other day my sweet six-year-old son was being a six-year-old boy and he was playing outside and he got that red clay all over his brand new shirt that he had worn one other time and i had a moment of a panic of oh my goodness the shirt is ruined it's it's absolutely ruined so i brought it inside i immediately pre-treated it with the mama suds stain stick because i remembered that i had just bought it and let me tell you the shirt came out cleaner than what i bought it brand new i was amazed so i'm just telling you as a mother to a young young children whose kids get their clothes real real dirty you need a Mama Suds stain stick. So head on over to mamasuds.com. Use the code Molly for 15% off your order. That's mamasuds.com. Use the code Molly for 15% off. And now without further ado, on to my conversation with Bobby Grunewald. I'm so excited to have the one, the only uh, Bobby Grunewald on the show. Welcome. Thank you for being here.
0: Hey, it's good to be here with you, Molly.
1: I, one, I'm just kind of it's it's fun to put a face to a name and an app that I have used every day for the past I don't know 12 to 13 years and uh you know it, obviously the the YouVersion Bible app is arguably the most used app on my phone and for so many people out there, millions and millions, I feel like that's, millions and millions of people out there um, have, you know, the same, is that, that's their story too. And to get to meet the person, kind of the face behind the, you know, obviously we, we could get real spiritual and be like, well, it's the Lord's. Yes, we know that. We all understand that it's, the, it's God's. We, word.
0: We, we don't try to use my face though. That's, yeah. that's the thing we've tried to avoid <laughs> is using the face. But, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tracking with you. No, thank, thank you for, uh, for the kind words, it's definitely something we're honored to do and be a part of. And you're right. It's something that we know that God's done, but, um, but I've recognized the fact that he's used a lot of pretty cool people on our team to do it. So we're we're honored to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's dive right in and have us, uh, give us the Bobby One Hundred One. So who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. So I, um, my name is Bobby Grunwald. I'm the founder and CEO of Uversion. I'm also a pastor and innovation leader at Life Church. Um, some people may not know this, but the Uversion Bible app is actually a ministry of our church, so it's a part of what we do as a church. And so I have responsibilities that kind of span the church as a whole. But my focus and what I spend, you know, my time on is really stewarding Uversion and what we do, you know, with the Bible app. So my background is a pretty eclectic background. Um, without getting in great detail, I I started as a Christian rapper when I was in high school and shocking, I, was a I did
1: not know for, this
0: <laughs> for five years and and God led me into a business entrepreneurial track that I, I wasn't expecting to be an entrepreneur, but I was. I had a degree in finance and through a series of uh, opportunity or one opportunity, I should say, that turned into multiple opportunities. I became an entrepreneur in the tech space. And the late 1990s. So I had two companies that I started and sold. Um, and the last one I sold in December of 1999. I thought that that must be what God designed me to do because I'd had some early success in it. Uh, instead, it, he made it clear that he wanted to lead me into a role on staff at Life Church. And that was about 22 years ago that I came on staff. And if you had asked me at that time, I would have maybe given it 22 months. Um, just because it, I wasn't sure, you know, if it would be the type of thing that I'd be in for a long period of time up to that point in my life, I'd never done anything more than like 22 months. And so I thought that maybe it wouldn't last, but instead God had been preparing me for this unique role in ministry where almost like an entrepreneur in residence, you know, I kind of get to take some of the ways I think and the ideas and approaches to how I solve problems and just apply those to the mission of the church and, and to ministry. And so we've been on this journey for quite a while now. And uh, and through that, God's done way more than we ever thought was possible, including um, the growth of the church itself, as well as what we've seen Him do through the YouVersion Bible app. So that's the kind of the quick version. I'm married and I have uh, four kids. My wife and I have been married almost 26 years, and my oldest daughter is 16. and I have a son that's 14 and a uh, daughter that's 10 and a son that's nine. And that's my family.
1: Wow. Okay. So off the bat, you dropping the information that you were a Christian rapper for five years was like not on my Bobby Grunwald uh, bingo card, but I love it so much. that uh, The fact that you're like, that's what I started out as. And then I got into the tech space, which is every tech person's uh, story. I feel so.
0: (laughs) So they started as rappers. They all
1: started as rappers. Come on. I mean, didn't you know that uh, Mark Zuckerberg was actually like a freestyle rapper, you know, in eight mile? I think he was an extra (laughs) in the movie. Um, I'm just kidding. Okay, so I I have to ask like what when you were a kid, and you obviously had this passion for rapping and, and uh, you know obviously you were obviously in the church. Did you have an entrepreneurial spirit? Did you have a tech spirit? Like, was this something that was remotely on your radar?
0: I mean, you could see it in retrospect, but not in the moment. Um, so the way I got, the way I became a rapper is kind of interesting in that I, I wasn't, I was in the church. I grew up in the church, yeah. but Wasn't a believer until just between my eighth and ninth grade year. And it was a radical transformation for me, like in terms of who I was and what I did to who I became, and I wanted to reach my friends and, and share my faith with my friends, but I knew none of them would listen to me and, but they all liked rap music. So I just thought maybe I should write a rap song. That was just kind of how I thought about solving the problem. And I'd never written a rap song before. I'd never tried rapping. I'd never, you know, there's no history of it. So I wrote a rap song and it kind of resonated and it worked. And people said, don't you to perform that song here, perform it there. Then it just turned into kind of a whole thing where we ran around the country and had a whole, you know, like albums of rap songs and concerts. And I mean, like 15 people traveled with us. It turned into this big thing that we did all during high school. You know, and I guess looking back on it, all of the things that are required to have a band and to be (laughs) on the road and merch and all the stuff, you know, there's, there's so many aspects to it that's very, they're very entrepreneurial. And even the whole path to get into it was trying to solve a problem that I didn't know how to solve. Mm. I came up with like a creative way to solve it, which is pretty much what entrepreneurs do. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have the language of being an entrepreneur, partly because my family, my parents are amazing, but my dad was kind of at the same job for 35 or 40 years. He's sort of a career oriented, you know, person that was just in, in the same, you know, like stayed with the same job. There wasn't anything about the world around me that modeled being an entrepreneur. So I never really thought about it as like a career path. Uh, I just kind of thought, you know, you go to college and get like a job, like a regular job. Right. And, but again, that's kind of the way God works. I, I was, uh, working at a car dealership in in college, a back office job uh, that was really boring, getting paid $6 an hour. And it was like date money back in in college. And I um, was so bored that I would listen in on conversations I had no business listening in on. And the owner of the dealership was getting pitched uh, by a group from California to build a website for the dealership, and this is in 1995. And that was way early in the days of the internet. So I walked up to the owner afterwards and just said, if you'll let me build a website for you, I'll do it for a hundred dollars. And he was he was like, sure. Cause I mean, he had nothing to lose, you know, to have me do this. But the problem was I had absolutely no idea how to build a website. Um, no, there's no books on building websites in 1995 or even websites about how to build websites. Yep. So that turned into uh, a, a website that they liked. And then I offered, the, I, I suggested we build a website selling car parts and accessories because I thought they would actually sell stuff that they could you know, do something besides cars, just cars. And that turned into a website called hondaparts.com. And they were selling hundreds of thousands of dollars in car parts and accessories through this website every month. And he called me into his office and he was a Christian business guy. And he called me his office and said, whatever it is that you are going to do, I want to invest in it and that was the moment that I kind of realized I had this opportunity to become an entrepreneur and it was kind of a crazy thing because I had an investor before I actually had an idea and um, and that was how I became an entrepreneur he became my first investor and we started a web hosting company and and uh, then the kind of the rest is history we sold that company and started another one and and uh, he made you know he made a pretty good amount of money through that process and I did as well but um but it was just one of those things that i did not know that god had that plan for me he kind of pivoted me off of what i thought i was going to do yeah but that's that's kind of the whole entire story of my life though it seems like everything i think is going to happen isn't what happens god <laughs> does something different
1: i think that's the story of all of our lives i what an incredible story and i love how you recognize those threads now and how At the time, how you, how you referred to it, you didn't have the language for it at the time, but that you, you saw a need, and that need was, I want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk about my faith with my friends, and so I'm going to need to meet them where they are. I'm going to need to speak their language. They like rap music. So I'm going to talk about rap, you know, and um, it's funny because I I did not grow up a Christian and I think I've told this story like or partially this story, maybe one time on the show. Um, but I, uh, you know, I didn't really grow up a Christian, but I could sing. And my best friend in middle school was a Christian and she was starting this Christian worship band called Doubting Thomas, and uh-huh. so she invited me to be uh, the co-like lead singer of this Christian worship band called Doubting Thomas, even though I wasn't a Christian. And this was like peak peak '90s worship music. I mean, we're talking, we're <laughs> talking, Denson. yeah. We're, but and we're also we're talking like we sang like, Sanctuary and Around, you know, like, <laughs> like yep. Lord, prepare yep. me, and then um uh yep. heart of worship all of it anyway it it was it was good times but like i think about how that was one of the things she was doing to begin to plant those seeds of faith and of truth in my life and and how now like uh i you know i help to lead worship at at my church now and just all the different you know threads and i i love seeing threads i mean maybe that's the creative in me that's where i see those things throughout life. Um, So I know this about you because we talked about this a little bit before we started recording how you're originally from Illinois and you ended up in Oklahoma. What brought you from Illinois to Oklahoma?
0: Well, my wife and I met in the fourth grade. Oh my gosh, so
1: cute.
0: We dated um, off and on in high school. She was a year ahead of me in school. So when she graduated... I kind of thought that we were both planning to go to universities up near Chicago. And instead that summer, she broke up with me and said, Hey, I've decided I'm going to Oklahoma to college. Well, she didn't want to have a long distance relationship and you know all of that stuff. So I was a little bit hurt by all that, but I found out a couple of weeks later that she had, she was dating another guy in Oklahoma that had been kind of trying to get her to come, you know, down to that university in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So the short version of that story is, my wife chased after another guy to Oklahoma <laughs> and I chased after her. So that's <laughs> that's actually how I ended up down there was I was determined um, that I was gonna win her over. so that, and, that's what brought me.
1: And who won? That would be you. you win. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. love it. Okay. so let's pick it up where you are working at Life Church and uh, I believe the YouVersion Bible app was launched in 2008. 20- Am I correct?
0: The app store launched in 2008 and the app was in the, the store that day. We did have a website for you version before it was an app that was in 2007. Yeah. But 2008 was when the app launched in because that's when the app store began.
1: That's right. That's right. Okay. So talk us through how this all came about. I mean, obviously... I remember getting I I had the very first iteration of the iPhone and I remember this this whole concept of apps and and it's funny how when I was a kid or not even really a kid, probably like late high school, early college. And I remember being like, wouldn't it be cool if someday you could have Internet access like on a phone? (laughs) <laughs> More like, wouldn't it be cool if you were, could be in your car and you could be on instant messenger? Um, even th- not driving, obviously not driving. And I just always thought that that was uh the, just the wildest idea. And then, of course, like watching Austin Powers, uh, movies, like when, when he would, when uh, Austin would talk to Basil on the video screen and I was like video chatting, that would be really cool. And here we go. <laughs> like now look at all these things that we can do. And here you, you and I are basically Austin Powers and Basil. Um, exactly, <laughs> exactly like that. Um, yes. so, you know, I remember when the first iPhone came out and I remember when apps came out and it's this whole new thing. You know, obviously, you know, in your mind at the time, you're working at a church. People want access to the Bible. How can we make Bible access more accessible? Talk us through that process of of the the kind of uh, the birth of what we now know as the Bible app.
0: Sure. So, you know, I'm an idea guy, so I have lots of ideas, but we obviously have to filter those ideas because there's too many of them to do. But I was in the O'Hare Airport in Chicago in 2006. So it was October of 2006, and um, I was in one of those long TSA security lines mm, yeah. that just wrap around forever before TSA pre-check or any of the things that let you speed up You know, the line. And normally I'd be frustrated, but for whatever reason that day, I was just asking myself, kind of in my mind, just kind of thinking, I wonder if there's a way to kind of leverage technology to help me read the Bible more consistently. It started with a problem. That I had, which was that even though I was on staff at a church, embarrassingly was not consistent, like in how I read the Bible, but wanted to be more consistent. So the idea for Uversion just came there in the security line that day. And um, I'm an activator. So I came up with the name U version between the security line and the gate that day, registered the domain name before I got on the airplane. And and we were, you know, had no idea what was gonna be involved in building a website. But the original idea was for, as I mentioned earlier, it was for a website. It was pre-apps and pre-smartphones in 2006, at least the types of phones that we have today. So fast forward, you know, later in 2007, we began to, we felt like this is something to explore and do, but had no idea all the obstacles we'd face, but kind of worked through those obstacles, had to get licensing for the Bible text, lots of things that we just didn't know. I was pretty, like, completely ignorant going into it. Uh, but we did launch this website in September of 2007 and we had a lot of people that came to it we had i think a big conference that promoted it and so I mean, we had i think almost 20,000 people in the first few months that came and visited the website which we thought was a great you know start but they weren't coming back like they'd go check it out mm. and and didn't come back to use it And then we were using it but we were kind of forcing ourselves to use it it wasn't a natural thing it was just because we spent all this energy building it so we're like trying to use it and be engaged with it every day so it just honestly just didn't work and we're not afraid to try things and admit that they fail because that's sort of part of the whole process is to to fail at times you know you're going to do that but we always want to learn when we fail so december of 2007 just a few months after we launched the website we realized this isn't working and it's not gonna work. And um, and we put a lot of energy into it, but we decided to shut it down. And before we shut it down, we all had to process like, why did it fail? What did we learn from it, et cetera? And realized that one of the factors was just that this website we're accessing back then, even in 2007, computers were not like portable. It was still like a desktop, you know, right. sat, like at your office. I mean, the, the concept of a laptop was pretty rare. You know, not everybody had laptops and, you know, and certainly not tablets and all of that. So, so we thought, you know, I I think part of the problem is we didn't really change much about the Bible. We put it, made it digital and you could do some kind of new things with it, but you still had to be like in a certain location at a certain time to be able to access it. Not any different than like your nightstand, if you had a physical Bible, you know, by your bed. And we thought if you could have it with us all the time, kind of on a device we were carrying with us, that that might actually make a difference. And at that time, uh, the iPhone had just come out, but you couldn't install apps on it. Uh, it was, you know, the very, most people may not remember, but the original iPhone at the very beginning came with some apps, but you couldn't like create your own. There's no app right. store. Um, Blackberries were the dominant smartphone back Oh yeah. Then. And that rollerball, so man,
1: that rollerball. Yes,
0: <laughs> I mean, it was something. I mean, they're crackberries. You know, people use them all the time and addicted to them for email and texting. And so we thought, well, what if we redesigned the website so that it would display on a Blackberry? So we did that in early 2008, just as kind of a, another test. And it was profound how just that one change made a huge difference in how we engaged with the Bible and how other people that were coming to the website are using their Blackberries to engage with it. So we just thought, you know, we've kind of try to move fast, follow momentum. And we saw the momentum of that right around the time that Steve Jobs then announced that they were going to make something called an App Store and you were going to be able to develop apps. That was in like spring of 2008. I don't remember the exact day or month, but when he announced that, you know, we were sitting there looking at this going, man, we've got this momentum from Blackberries. I wonder if we could build a Bible app and have that, you know, submitted to this App Store. So, Again, had no idea how to do that. I'm not a developer, I don't write code. Um, We had a 19 year old on our team that loved Apple. And that was about the only two requirements you had to have back then to build an app was to be 19 and love Apple. (laughs) And he, uh, as a kind of a part-time project, he and I worked together and we worked to try to build this uh, app. And again, it's brand new, there's no apps. There's no, no sense about like how it's supposed to work and what it's supposed to do. But we tried and submitted it to Apple in June of 2008, and the App Store launched in July of 2008, and it was a Thursday. And on that day when it launched, um, we were surprised, but we were in the first 200 free apps that were available the very first day you know, that the App Store launched, and there are only 200. I mean, today there are millions of apps available. And back then, though, all the eyeballs of iPhones at that time were focused on one place at one time and there's only 200 options you know, to choose from. So we, were, we saw 83,000 people install it in the first three days, like from Thursday till, till Sunday, and it blew our minds. Like we just had absolutely no idea that that was possible. And we could tell from the data that they were using it. They were actually opening the app multiple times and engaging with it. So pretty much at that point, we realized that we had a tiger by the tail and wanted to push any kind of resources we could into it. That 19 year old that became like his full time job on Monday and we came back to work and it's been this journey for, I guess, the last almost 14 years uh, that we've been on of this crazy story that God's had us on with a huge coalition of partners and obviously lots of languages and versions and all the other features and stuff that have come that we have today.
1: Wow. Wow, that is uh, just such a cool story of you're standing in line in the security security line at O'Hare, where let's just say we don't all have the the holiest of thoughts in that <laughs> uh, in that situation. And here you are developing an app in your mind or a website. Uh, I didn't even really know what it looks like. Why the name U version? Where did that come from?
0: That's a great question that I can't even answer. Um, it was. <laughs> It was really the best name that I came up with from the security line to the gate that day. I mean, it had obviously a lot of market research that went into it. It was the, the thinking behind it at the time, not that it really matters today, was the website idea was to allow you to take any kind of media, photos, videos, YouTube, Flickr, whatever you were creating online and associated with any part of the Bible. And it was a way for you to show how this passage of scripture was connected to something you saw in your life or so expressed it in some way artistically. And so the the premise behind it was just, it was sort of the the version of the Bible that included you, that mm. showed how it related to you. That was the the thinking, you know, behind the title. But honestly, because the website didn't work, um, the title then carried over. And, um, and then there's years later, we were going to change it. But the moment we went to start to go change it, we realized that this is like a name that a lot of stuck with a lot of people. So and it was growing so fast that you're kind of in the mode of like, look, it's working right now. So let's just keep it. And then, of course, now it's become more distinctive. Um, But at the time, that was the the honest story about how it came about. It was kind (laughs) of I would say is actually now the funniest thing is when I have people come up to me and tell me that they know where the name came from and they want to explain like what it means. (laughs) That's, that's always the funniest conversation to me because they're always like going, so I get, so I love the U version of the Bible and how it means. And they start to describe, you know, some, some, you know, scenario that they think the name, what the main name implies or means. And of course, you know, it, it obviously doesn't, but it means whatever, I guess you want it to, but that's, that, that was not what the intention was.
1: <laughs> uh, I I'm curious, what is one of the strangest or, uh, just funniest explanations that somebody has given you that they believe that the name you version?
0: Oh, I'm trying to think That's I, I, as soon as I said that, I knew you are going to ask me.
1: I'm putting you no, on the no, spot, Bobby. Um,
0: no. Um, well, first of all, a lot of people, when they text me, they, they spell it with a U instead of a Y-O-U. So that, mm-hmm. I guess they don't look at the app or something because it says it on the screen when right. it opens. Right. It's right
1: there. That, it literally like that, says it right there.
0: Nonetheless, I, I get that a lot. By the way, Uverse was one of the possible names. But when I went to look up the domain name, I was trying to buy all of the, um, the names around it and there's this company called AT&T that had registered this UVerse, you know, name. And of course, it was before they came out with UVerse, They just had already registered the name um, for their, you know, became their television service, I guess, for a while. But, oh, I'm trying to think of, uh, I mean, some, some people think that it has to do with the fact that there's so many versions and you get to pick the one that you like oh. and that's why it's called you version okay. it's not necessarily a funny thing it's just i get that a lot from people that think that that's why we named it. it's like it's because you got 2700 versions of the bible and you get to pick the one that you like that's why it's the you version you know the one that you do and um so it's, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's not what it means. That. A, yeah. I can see that. I like.
1: I'm tracking. I'm tracking with what that. Per, I'm, I'm. I'm drinking the juice they're pouring, so to speak. <laughs> so you start. You know, you you launch. your one of the first 200 apps ever on the app store, uh, to date. There's how many downloads do you have? I was I was gonna say a number, and then I realized that like I don't know what the actual number. I was gonna be like it's seven billion, but that's like everybody. Well, in the world.
0: you know, it's actually in the app. And so you can actually go, most people don't know this, but if you go to the more thing and then click on share you version, you can see like an up to date counter and it's like updated to like the last day basically, but it's um Oh yeah. Right now it's at 519 million, so probably the next day it'll cross over to 520 million.
1: That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you started off at what did you have in that first iteration? Was it just the NIV and that was it? Or, you know, because obviously today you have 2,700 different translations, which I didn't even know there were that many translations out there. Um, And you have, you know, thousands and thousands of devotional plans and reading plans. And you now have this kind of interactive content with different videos each day and you have the verse of the day and, you know, just the amount of resources that you've now included in this is incredible. And so what did that first iteration look like?
0: Yeah, we, um, well, you know the the website we had the New King James Version, I think the New Century Version, which were two that came from Thomas Nelson, and the rest of them are all like public domain King James, um, probably ones you've never heard of. If it, King, be, if it ain't King,
1: King Jimmy, it ain't that, the Bible.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we have, <laughs> so that's actually, and by the time that we launched the app of it, I I can't remember exactly the number of version the number of versions we had when we launched. I should probably be able to go look that up at some point, but. Um, but I don't believe we had the NIV at that point, And we didn't have most of the versions that you have in English today. It was just a few that mm-hmm. started with, that. I think we did have one Spanish version. That was a, a public domain Spanish version when we launched. So, so it's, I mean, maybe a dozen, you know, a d- dozen different versions, but anyway, it's obviously grown uh, a lot. We have a ton of partners, Bible societies, Bible translation groups, groups like Biblica that um, are the ones behind the NIV and several other Similar type versions in other languages. Um, but yeah, it's over 20. I think the exact number as of today is 2,724 wow. versions of the Bible, but then it's in 1,830 languages. And wow. so that's the, uh, that's really a big emphasis for us. We're trying to make sure that we're providing the Bible in people's heart language. And there's a whole lot of languages that don't even have the Bible translated in it yet. And so we're just committed to provide. All, put all those up there as soon as we can, and we're working with all the Bible translation groups to do that.
1: I'll be honest; the one of the most fascinating translations, because I mean, one day I think I was just kind of tinkering around in the app, and I was, you know, just really interested at some of the ones that are in other languages and other uh, translations and things like that. The one that is the most fascinating to me is Hawaiian pigeon. I had I knew gl- you were going to say that. Yeah, Hawaiian pigeon. <laughs> it is a fascinating. I didn't. I, and then I went on this because I, maybe it's because I was an English major and I am fascinated by the origin of languages. And um, I mean, I I also, in addition to reading the Bible every day, I do my Duolingo. Like I love learning other languages. I love learning the culture behind languages. And I'd never even heard of Hawaiian pidgin before. So then I go into this like Deep dive on Hawaiian pigeon, and it was just fascinating to me because it's like this Is,
0: is there a Duolingo for Hawaiian? Pigeon? There is
1: not a Duolingo for Hawaiian pigeon, <laughs> unfortunately, there is not. Um, you they do have I think it's just native Hawaiian as uh, but that's right. like Hawaiian pigeons, like a whole different sure. subset, and it's just fascinating because there's like some English in there, and so you kind of understand what they're saying, but then it almost I don't even know how to describe it. So you should, if you have the Bible app, which you should go download. If you don't, you should look up the Hawaiian Pigeon translation. You'll immediately be like, "This is fascinating," and then go down a a deep dive.
0: Yep, and you can you can compare versions. So you could like pull up the NIV and then go over and find the Hawaiian Pigeon version side by side. Yeah, you can do that as well. So yeah, no, it's that's one that a lot of people like just because you can read it uh, in English. It's just a different, you know, some different spellings, but it has you kind of. It sort of takes you into kind of the dialect or the sound of the words, you know, just the way it's printed. So it's actually a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it really is. It really is. So one of the things that I think is really interesting, and I know that you have sort of talked about over the last couple of years, is the fact that especially during the earliest days of COVID, there was um, a narrative that was trying to be spread that it was like, you know, the Bible is irrelevant. People aren't, people don't care about God's word like they did before. And, you know, more and more people are walking away from the church and more and more people are walking away from Christianity. Yet you have, as the kids say these days, the receipts, that that's not necessarily true. And that's because the Bible reading on the Bible app increased during COVID. So I would love for you to talk about that because I think that that is counter to, let's be honest, like what the narrative was for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, first of all, it shouldn't be too hard to kind of presume that when everybody gets put in their houses, you know, and doors closed and you're not allowed to go out, which is kind of the environment we were in at the very beginning of COVID. Right that two things are happening at once you know one thing that was happening was there was a lot of fear and anxiety and concern you know from groups of people cuz no one had ever experienced anything like this ever before you know in our lives right people were concerned about their jobs people were concerned about you know all kinds of things like, how am i going to eat and where's you know uh, the grocery store all those factors so we saw that immediately show up in what people were searching for you know in the Bible mm. app you could see these words around fear and anxiety um, pop up on search terms. But the other thing that was happening in addition to kind of the concern or the fear, I'm not, not everybody was afraid, but there's definitely a lot of it, you know, going on at that time. The other factor though, was people were using digital tools in order to connect and access the rest of the world. So they're doing just like you and I are talking on zoom, you know, all of a sudden nobody knew what zoom was. I mean, a few of us did, but that was only because it was sort of a business tool that people would use. Um, but it, it, Now is like a household name, you know, because everyone's looking through the lens of the technology they had at that time, whether it be their phones, their computers, their iPads, whatever they had um, to be able to connect with the world. So it's not like rocket science to figure out if people are hurting, searching for answers and looking for something and they're using digital tools that the Bible app is going to be one of those places that they go to look for that. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, we saw this big spike in activity. That came almost immediately at the onset of COVID, wow. and it wasn't that no one was using it before that, because we've we've had um, really strong usage, you know, for many years. It's not always been up and to the right, you know, every moment of every period in time, but it's it's grown and continued to grow over the time that we've been stewarding this, and so it is it is frustrating at times when that kind of tired old narrative that no one reads the Bible anymore is out there in the media and folks just like to kind of perpetuate it um, over and over again. I sort of feel like it's just become kind of a commonplace presumption that isn't actually true. Correct. Um, And it's not that everybody reads the Bible. It's not that there are a lot of people that don't read the Bible, but it's still the most read book, the most engaged book, the most purchased book, of all books, you know, and, and not just in human history, but currently, and and so any kind of narrative that casts it aside and says, "Well, it's irrelevant, less used, nobody pays attention," is just disconnected from reality. I mean, we've we've mentioned the number of people that installed the app, but we, you know, people actually use it. I mean, we've seen people read a total of, I think, current totals about two hundred and thirty nine billion chapters of text in the Bible app. Um, it's it's, I mean that's not that's not nothing in terms of bible engagement and and so i'm always scratching my head when people are kind of acting like it's it's dead or gone or been trivialized it's just simply not true we see a generation of people that are excited about god's word we see people that technology has been the breakthrough for them where they've they've wanted to connect and they've wanted to be engaged consistently and now for the very first time you know, they're like, I've finally been able to read the entire Bible or I listen to the entire Bible on my phone in my car when I go to work every day. And that became the way that God used the technology to kind of help me get his word, you know, into my heart was I listen every day. That became my routine, the rhythm of what I did, or I did it while I work out or, you know, whatever different rhythm that they had, the technology became the tool that God used um, to put it in their heart. And we see this over and over again. It's not just a U.S. thing. I mean, the Bible app's used in every single country and territory, including places you couldn't physically bring a Bible into without a fear of harm. And um, and so whether it's North Korea or Iran or Syria or um, any other part of the world, you know, we see the Bible app being used. And so so it's just, we we have a lot to be excited about. And I feel like, that narrative is one that we're pretty determined to make sure people understand, um, because I think the more that people realize the Bible is not just a good book, but the source of truth in a world where people are searching for truth, where they're struggling in in kind of the context of all of our social media and all the different inputs we have in our lives to try to discern what's real and what's not real, yep. um, just because there's a lot of it's a challenging environment, you know, to, to be in right now, it's challenging for my kids, you know, for sure. We're like, look, the Bible was here long before any of these things were here and it's still here. And, and we've, we have it in a way that connects with the tools and the devices and the things that you use already in your life. And it can be powerful. It can change, it can provide direction and, and, and kind of a rudder to your life when people, you know, are struggling sometimes with the kind of aimlessness. And so anyway, we're, we're pumped about what the potential is, the future is, and and the present. You know, this isn't just a story of optimism towards the future. It's really, I think, a, a story that we can say God's up to something and we we have the evidence of it
1: not to mention the fact that you also have an incredible Bible app for kids that is engaging. And my kids, I mean, I think I first downloaded it when my now eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old was a toddler. And she would beg, beg to to use the Bible for kids app all the <laughs> time. And I would have to like Because I'm I'm one of those parents like I'm like, you will have a phone when you maybe go to college, maybe you might have a phone. So I'm like pretty, I'm pretty strict on like what I let them engage with. totally
0: understand. And so
1: I would like, but then I it just became a thing where I would be like if we were in a situation, where I was like, all right, I need to, I'm not above or below. I don't know above. Yeah. I'm not above bribery sometimes with my children. Let's just be honest. Um, God is still working on me. And there were times where I would just be like, all right, like if you are patient and wait during this particular thing, I, you know, I'll be like, you can have some time on the Bible app. And they'd be like, okay. <laughs> so, but I love that through them using that app, like they would, come. And uh, I told you a little story before, uh, you know, we started recording where my daughter heard my mother-in-law say bail, And she was talking about Belle, like from Beauty and the Beast. And my daughter's first thought at the age of six was Bail the false god. And I was just like, <laughs> w- how, in what world is that normal? Um, which I just thought it was hysterical at the time. But the reality is, it's like, she's a kid who from a very early age was interested in God's word and reading the Bible. And she knows things that I'm just like, how, how do you know that? And, uh, she knows more than some adults. And it is just fascinating to me because kids are, when you speak their language, when you, when, like you said, when you were a rapper, you were meeting your friends where they were, when you meet kids where they are and you engage with them in a way that they can connect with, that is planting seeds that are you're going to see incredible fruit of um and from for years to come.
0: Yeah, I know we are that's we're really proud of how God's used that that app. I mean, we designed it because you know, really young kids, it's a completely different experience that they need to have to engage with scripture than what we have in the Bible app. And so there's a lot of work that went into it. I know our partners at One Hope are the the ministry that we partnered with to do that app. They've been tremendous partners for us. And and my kids engaged with it. It's interesting in the United States, the the, the target age ended up skewing a lot younger for that app. You know, it's just I think part of it's just the proficiency around technology that kids have, you know, that and, and some of the literacy rates that we have here. Other parts of the world, it skews a little bit older in terms of the age demographic that connects with it. But you're absolutely right. It's so important um, for our kids to kind of gain an understanding. And it does it in an obviously very interactive way. It's completely different experience. So if people haven't seen it, it's worth checking out. Even if you don't have kids that are in that age range, maybe you'll have grandkids one day um, or have grandkids, you know, and it'd be great to um, have it on your device to let them play with it and experience it. It's gamified. It has interactivity. It's It takes you through kind of the larger meta narrative of the Bible, but it does it kind of story by story, but it pieces it all together.
1: Yeah, it really, it really does. And it's, it's so well done. Again, it's creative, it's engaging. And, um, what you're doing, I mean, just as an encouragement, just from one parent whose kids have actually used it for years, uh, you know, to another it, thank you for, for doing that because it has, like I said, it's, it's planted seeds that has now, um, my daughter just, she, she just got baptized, uh, a couple of weeks ago oh, and, that's awesome. um, she had been asking about it for a while and, but my husband and I really wanted to make sure that she was ready. And so we wanted her to be able to articulate, why do you want to be baptized? What does baptism mean? Like what, why is it something mm-hmm. important? And she was able to do it. So, and we made her, uh, also we, we made her, uh, Answer some questions from our pastor before she did too. We're like, we really put her through the ringer. We were like, no, you're not just going to do this because you like think you want to. And uh, our pastor was like, man, she articulated that better than like a lot of adults, I think. That's awesome, you know. And so now she's. Um, like I said, she's almost nine. So now she's kind of upgraded from the the Bible app for kids. And we just got her, um, the action Bible, which is like the, Uh the graphic novel Bible. And she's really into graphic novels. And so, you know, that's kind of, but my, my son who's six, like he's now kind of Stepping into yeah. that and, and stepping out, but the, again, those seeds are planted, and that is, um, that's huge. And, um, and then just you know, from an a, from an adult perspective, like with the the Bible app for me, I mean, like you said, where somebody said to you, you know, for the first time I've been able to read through the Bible in a year, and that's how I was able to do it for the first time back in 2018. Was I found a Bible in a year plan on the Bible app and Committed to it, I I just started in the message translation because I felt like that was the easiest, and I listened to it while I read. And um, but now that created in a, in me a discipline and a habit to where it's now it's just a part of my morning routine. And now this year, what I've done for the first time in I guess this is five you know five years was um, I listened to it in the Bible app, but I then read along with my physical Bible and take notes huh? in my physical Bible. So it's like this mash of using sure. technology in addition to like opening up my physical Bible and, and, and taking notes in that. And that's been really transformative as well. And so I think that there's so many opportunities to use it in a way that, um, speaks to where people are, um, because because it, yeah. it can feel daunting this task of like, I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know how to. read you know what I mean? So creating yep. um, those resources for people is is incredible. Well,
0: that's really encouraging, and and we know a lot of people that do just what you described that use a physical Bible in conjunction with the digital, um, which is also really common. The other thing I was going to mention it for your daughter, is yeah. as, as she gets a little bit older, you know, maybe even at the age she's at, but a little bit older, we have an experience in the Bible app called the Kids Bible Experience, and it's a daily. Video, um, kind of full immersive thing that just it's short lasts like seven minutes, eight minutes. Again, our partners at One Hope put it together. Uh, and I think right now it's in English. I'm not sure how many languages it's in, but it's definitely in English. And so if you scroll down the home screen right now, you'll see it kind of towards the bottom. But a lot of parents are taking their kids through that because it's just fresh content every day. It's designed for that demographic.
1: That's so cool. And,
0: um, and it's a way for us to kind of on ramp kids that are in the tween sort of years into a Bible app experience that has content that they know connects with them, you know, as they kind of ramp into it.
1: That's so cool. And I'm really excited to, to, to check it out for myself. And, um, in fact, you know, tonight, I think maybe that can be part of our evening devotional thing where maybe we do that together as a family. So I am curious, and you, you mentioned this a little bit at the beginning. So this, obviously this is free and there's no ads. You don't pay for the app. Uh, I mean, I think there's even been times where I've looked and been like, I'd like to somehow, you know, like maybe there's like a donate, but no, like there's no call to action even within the app. Like, and I think that that, I mean, I I believe that that's done intentionally in just a way where like this is a no strings attached. We want to provide this as a, as a a way to connect people to God's word. Um, but obviously, I, I know as a small business owner, um, and I have worked with other businesses on app development, things like that. And just especially when you're dealing with an app that literally hundreds of millions of people have downloaded, this is a massive undertaking. And so how has has that, uh, mission of it being a ministry of life church changed it all over the years? Like, what does that relationship and partnership work with to keep the, the main thing, the main thing, and to never, I think, you know what I'm getting at is like to come across yeah. like, oh, well we, we are doing this cause we really want your money.
0: Yeah. So I think, um most of what you said is accurate <laughs> there's there's a couple of parts that are that might be a little bit different but that's okay though because i think the the intent behind it or what you're perceiving is true yeah uh and that we we are non-commercial we don't have any advertising we've never had any advertising right yeah no one's ever paid us to put content in the app or um or anything you know yeah. of that nature. Um, From the beginning, we wanted it to be free. We wanted there to be no strings attached. You can use the app. You can use every feature in the app without any obligation to pay or give anything. Uh, That being said, we do have a way that you can give. Oh, you
1: can. Okay. Uh,
0: They're in the about... section or in the more section, again, on the menu there, there is a donate. Oh, I see button, it now. Depending on which device you have.
1: Thank you for correcting um, me.
0: <laughs> no problem. No problem. And, um, but, but it's, it's always, there's always been some path for that, but it's been not something that's obviously heavily promoted. And partly because for, for many years, the church funded it entirely. And then we had some outside donors that came alongside the church and said, could we accelerate the growth of this? So between the church and the outside donors, we really didn't, we had kind of our budget and what we invest in it covered, you know, for it. But what we realized a few years ago was that um, part of spiritual growth and part of people, taking people on a journey of doing mean, is building intimacy with God. And one of the pathways to intimacy, besides obviously prayer and worship and Bible engagement and Bible reading is, is generosity. And we encouraged our community to take on the cause of Bible translation and we said, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that don't have the Bible in their heart language. We have no idea what that's like, because we've always had the Bible in English. And so we've always heard Jesus's words in our language, even though Jesus's words were not in our language, mm-hmm. you know, when they were uttered. Um, we hear Jesus's words in our language because we've grown up reading it or we've been able to, to, to experience it. So we challenged our community to give towards Bible translation to support those ministries that do Bible translation work. And we started doing that a few years back. And when we did, many people gave to that because um, they were excited to be a part of it. But people also wanted to give to Uversion to kind of help support it. And it wasn't something we were trying to push or or that we really even needed at the time, but that began to grow. And so we actually do have a lot of people that support Uversion today that are users of the app. And the fact that you don't even know that there's an opportunity to do, it indicates how, (laughs) how it's not a, um, it's obviously not like a Wikipedia thing where we're saying, we're going to shut the app down and people
1: give, (laughs)
0: um, but it does actually enable us to go faster and to do more, you know, than what we had planned to do. And so it's, so today it's, it's pretty much entirely funded by people, by small donors that give, and then some major donors that sit outside and give towards it. And then what our church supports on top of that, Um, in it. So that's kind of the makeup of how it happens. And we're not ashamed of there being an opportunity for people to give, because we really do feel like it actually gets stronger engagement. If somebody gives $50, their level of commitment to it goes up, but we never want that to ever be a barrier to someone reading God's word, which is why your perception is absolutely true, which is I can download the app. I can use the app. I can sign up for an account. It's free. We don't sell data. We don't do any of those things that other people might do, um, where you when you see an app and you're like going, "Hey, I don't understand how they're making money." Well, generally the presumption is well, they must be selling my data or they must be doing something, you know, to do that. We don't do any of that and have never done that as well. So it's really just truly something that is a ministry. And as far as the relationship with the church, it's very much a part of our church. It's not a separate thing. You know, our team are all part of our church, and and we think that that's just something unique that God's done that really gives a lot of strength to it. But if you use the app, you'll also notice just in the same way that you're feeling about the donation thing, you'll notice that the app isn't there to promote our church. Yeah. You know, there's content that you'll see from time to time, but just like there would be from other churches and other groups. um, But there's not, it's not an effort. Uh, Even the theology of our church is not um, narrowly put on top of the app because we represent the whole church with the app. We have Pentecostals, Catholics we have a wide range you know of folks that use the Bible app and uh, and we've been intentional about saying that's not it's not about us having kind of some specific theology that we're trying to represent more so represent the whole church so so anyway that um I appreciate you kind of asking or at least highlighting the fact yeah. that it's definitely free and non-commercial for sure but we don't we I'm happy to encourage people to give and to be a part of supporting it because I really do think that it helps them be engaged more and it's not again, not out of um driven by need or or any kind of desperation, you know, like you've yeah. got to have your money or we can't move forward. But I think it's an important thing for people to realize look, if I if I'm committed and invested to this, that actually is a, a that's something God can use, you know, to kind of help draw me closer to him. And we and it does help us go faster. I mean, I'm not I would be lying to say that we expanding our budget over the years and even expanding it more rapidly here recently. Um, allows us to add more features and do that, but but that's not the driver of the why.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for correcting me. And the, I'm kind of like as somebody who uses this app multiple times a day, the fact that I didn't know it was there. Uh, maybe I need to explore the other features of the app. More. <laughs> um, no problem. So, but no, I'm glad. I'm glad that that's because that was something that. At one point, I had consciously gone looking for that because I was like, "Oh, I'd like to, you know, support that." Here I am now, feeling really stupid. Um, no. it's totally fine. Well, I I think it's incredible, and and also I think it speaks to the leadership of you, and we could get in a whole other, go down a whole rabbit hole, which I will not do because I could go off on a a, a digression and a soapbox. But I, I think it speaks to the humility and the leadership that your church leads with and, and your team leads with to not be to not be like, oh, well, we have now this captive audience of 500 plus million people that we're going to um, be self-promoting. And, and um, it reminds me of almost it's it, it, to me, it almost is a, a great example of the parable of the talents. And like you are faithful with little things. And God has entrusted you to be faithful with big things, and you haven't um, used that as an opportunity to be self-focused, but continuing to be like, how can we... um, How can we make the name of of Christ increase and how can we make ourselves decrease? And I think that that is very difficult to do um, nowadays. And again, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole or a soapbox that I my brain is trying to it's like, nope, Molly, don't do it. Um, So anyway, I I think it's wonderful. Uh, Before we get to the get to know you round, because obviously I could ask you like 700 more questions. Um, Bobby, what is on the horizon for you? I mean, or for the app? I mean, what's kind of. You know, happening. I mean, we're that by the time this airs, we will have six months left of 2022, which is bananas <laughs> to think about.
0: Yeah. Um, right now, we're um, we're aggressively trying to grow our team. Um, so we have about 115 full time people that work on new version wow. with about 30 open positions. Uh, and that's probably going to grow by two or three or four times as large as it is now in the next three or four years. Is the plan. Um, So I'm trying to find some key leaders that we're looking for um, for the team. That's sort of what one of my big focuses right now is just kind of getting some of those leadership spots filled. And then the vision for the product is substantial from where we are, where we want to go um, without kind of revealing too much of it. Not that it's a secret, it's just that I want to be able to deliver on it in a reasonable amount of time (laughs) and it might take a little minute to get there. Um, But we really do feel like this tool can be something that can really help people grow spiritually and meet people where they are Um, much more personalized experience is what we see for the future. Right now, you're, you're getting a lot of the same app experience that I get here in English in the U S but over time, your experience should be different than mine because you're different than me. And we want that to be um, more of what we see entered into the app going forward. Um, There's a lot of international focus right now and, and just a lot more content that's getting added to the app, including podcasts and longer video format content that we have. Um, we've already added some of it, but there's there's more and more being added all the time. So, so those are some of the short-term points of emphasis. I hope that we'll get a lot of a lot of that knocked out or big portions of it by the end of the year. But, um, but you know, it's one of those things where we're, we're moving as fast as we can. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it too. Just there's, you know, got millions of people that count on it running every day. So- You gotta make sure that the lights stay on and and things keep moving. But but anyway, it's uh it it's great to to be a part of it. And on a personal level, I'm um, you know just enjoying this season of life and I'm a pilot and so I like to fly airplanes so awesome. and so that's my that's my distraction, although I haven't had much of a distraction recently because it's it only gets me from point A to point B right now, which is I don't do any flying for fun. It's all practical, but it's still uh still something I enjoy.
1: I love that. I love that. Well, Bobby, this has been Absolutely fantastic. But before we go, uh, this is the portion of the show where we just get to ask some fun get to know you questions to get to know you a little bit more. So, Bobby, are you ready for the get to know you round? Go for it. All right. Question number one is what is your current guilty pleasure?
0: Um, there's these um skinny cow ice cream bars that exactly have the about. like, I don't know, it's like a caramel nut layer thing. They're incredible. Yes. And so... They're really not that that bad for you. And the problem is I go to the store and if they have them, I literally buy every single <laughs> box. I look like some crazy person and I buy the entire, I one time um, I thought just to throw the algorithm off at Walmart, you know, because uh, you know, they'd like track like the patterns that people buy. I had like 10 of these boxes of those little ice cream bars because I would just <laughs> have like one in the evening, uh, but I, but you, they run out and then you don't have them for, you know, weeks or months. So. I buy that and then I bought a shoehorn yeah. and I just thought that's just going to throw off Walmart's algorithm they're going to be like who buys 10 boxes of skinny cow ice cream bars and a shoehorn um <laughs> You know, Walmart. But nonetheless, that's uh, that's that's probably would be my guilty pleasure is like one of those little ice cream bars. I evening.
1: I actually think your guilty pleasure is throwing off the algorithm at yeah, Walmart. That, so that, that actually might be more true. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Um. What is the best concert you have ever attended?
0: Oh man, these best questions are too much. I um, <laughs> no. Man, I don't know. I would say. Um, I would say. Pr- it wasn't really concerts, was a conference, but I would say the first sort of Hillsong conference I went to in Australia. Oh, man. Was probably the best. Um, just because it was just so next level and different than anything that I'd been to. Yeah. Um, it's a big arena event. That was many years ago. That's probably that probably had one of the biggest impacts, you know, on me was that that one. So but I'm I'm sure I'll think of more as we're talking. But <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's awesome. Not,
1: I love it. That's a great answer. Okay. Inevitably, when the movie is made about your life and somebody has to play you, which actor do you want to play you in the movie about your life?
0: Oh, I do not know that this is going to be a pass. <laughs> so. Totally fine. Totally fine. Somebody else could pick that. I'm not going to pick that one.
1: I love it. I love it. Now you're like, you're like, nobody's going to make a movie about my life. Um, <laughs> see, I envision like a lifetime movie with you, like chasing your future wife off to, to Oklahoma. Um, okay. Okay
0: so it might be wasting a lot of money. I love it. So.
1: Okay, uh, are you a big reader and if so, what's you uh, know maybe been kind of a top thing you've read in the last year or so?
0: So, little known thing about me is that I don't read books. I read book covers. So, there you go.
1: All right. All right. Well, is there one <laughs> in particular that stands out to you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I say I read book covers because normally you can capture the whole essence of the book on the cover yeah. and you don't need to read all the fluff, you know, that's inside. So with the exception of, of pastor Craig's books, of course, you know, I would read all those. Um, but the, that's just, that's a given. I love um, it. This, these are going to be, it's a strange answer, but um, a book that, uh, that kind of framed the way I think about innovation and, and, and framed Uh, and put words to some of my thinking around it was this book called the houdini solution i think was the name of the book Hmm. and it just talked about how houdini innovates inside of constraints you know that that was he was an escape artist wow and um in that many times we think about innovation as something that requires a bunch of resources like we need to like have a bunch of money so we can be innovative or we need to, to build something and most of the time in my experience, really innovative thoughts and ideas have come in inside of constraints. So it's sort of inside the box thinking, not outside the box thinking. And that you, you, you need the constraints. They're like a requirement. The, like the limitation of it is a necessary requirement to come up with a new idea. Because if you had money, if you had time, if you had people, if you had all those things, you would just buy a solution or use a solution that, you know, that you could acquire. But when you don't have all that, you got to come up with a new idea and come up with a new way. And so that book sort of framed the thinking around that. It's a long time ago, but that was that was probably a, an influential book in my life.
1: That is fascinating. I just and I, and it And I've down. never
0: read it. I hey, just read the cover. I love I it.
1: I love it. Well, I'm going to read it for you and I'll report back. Uh, <laughs> Great. Because I love to read. So I will definitely do that. Okay. And then my last question, and this is the question I ask all of my guests. And that is, Uh, Bobby, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose?
0: Well, I think um, the first thing that comes to mind is it's other centric, you know, Um, some people interpret purpose differently, but for me, purpose is always about serving others. And that's um, no matter what it was that I did when I was in business, um, it was definitely I was less concerned about making money. I ended up making money because that's obviously what happens when you're successful at running a business or at least it tends to happen. But it was like the problem I'm solving, the people I'm helping, the things I'm trying to, uh, uh, the the people I'm trying to help accomplish something new. Um, And then with what we do today, I mean, it did solve, start with me trying to figure out how we solve a problem of me reading the Bible more consistently, but quickly realized a lot of other people carry the same yeah. challenge. And so, so I think running a business with purpose is being others centric or servant leadership.
1: That would be another way to describe it. Bobby this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of what I know is a a busy schedule to to share your heart with us and to um I mean I'm just fascinated to learn all the things that go on behind the scenes of this thing like I said that I I use every day and I know so many other millions of people do as well. So thank you for being here and thank you for your your leadership. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate it. It's fun to be with you. I told you that Bobby was awesome. I loved this conversation. It was Again, one of my favorites and just getting to sit down with somebody uh, who I've you know, kind of looked up to for, for quite some time was a really, really cool opportunity. Be sure to tune in next week where my guest is Noelle Jet, and she is of uh, Jet Set Farmhouse fame, and she has a new book that's out, and I'm so excited to sit down with her. So be sure to tune in next week for that episode. But as always, I would love to know what you loved about this particular episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, go ahead and let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And if you are a first time listener, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible people who are changing the world with what they do for a living. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. Thank you for your support. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to help make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how this show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose, on purpose.